to another episode of The Adventure Begins. I am your host, Marie. Today is pretty special, so I've got two co-hosts today. I've got my co-host, Ruthie. (laughs) Hey, and that is false. We don't have two co-hosts. We only have one co-host, but we do have a guest, and his name is Fred. Hello, everybody. (laughs) My wonderful husband. All right, so today on this episode, we're going to be talking about white Jesus. So where did this whole white Jesus idea come from? Uh, The other day I was on, I was on Facebook and my cousin posted this picture of what Jesus supposedly looked like from, um, I believe it was a National Geographic Mm -hmm. uh, documentary. And he looks nothing like the depiction that we see uh, all around churches of the blue eyes, blonde hair, or the brown hair with the straight nose, hippie looking guy. (laughs) And the picture was posted by Sean King. He is um, a Black Lives activist. Yeah, yeah. And he um, posted this picture and was like, well, while we're tearing down all these white supremacist statues, we might as well turn, uh, tear down the Jesus statue because it's associated with, with slavery, um, how the white slave masters used Christianity and the, the depiction of Jesus to enforce or justify slavery against, you know, Africans. So I guess that righteous indignation rose up in me and I felt I needed to respond to my cousin and say, what is this nonsense? Where is this coming from? Like you, you do know that quote unquote picture of Jesus that Sean King has posted is not what Jesus looks like. Right. Mm. And Mm. so he was just like, well, you know, read it, read, read the link. I was like, I went, I read it. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, it was so reaching just mm-hmm. to justify the idea of, okay, let's take this picture of Jesus down in all these statues of Jesus. And my whole thing is this, right? I would like to believe, as believers, we are educated enough to know that that p- depiction that has been circulating for centuries is really not what Jesus looked like. There's a description of Revelations, and I believe there's another description in Isaiah, correct me if I'm wrong, but he looks nothing like the picture that's being circulated. He definitely did not have blue eyes, definitely did not have the blonde hair, nor the straight nose. You know, if you read in Revelations, it talks about he has hair of wool, you know, skin of bronze, eyes of fire. So with that being said, I feel that I could be wrong. To me, it was taken as an attack on Christianity because I'm just like, wait, I get what what you're saying, but this is reaching here. What does this have to do with the whole Black Lives Matter movement? But, you know, that's just me. I digress. (laughs) We brought on Fred today because this man right here, very knowledgeable. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You're quite welcome. (laughs) (laughs) He's quite knowledgeable of, you know, the different tribes where they come from, how they were dispersed, and he correlates it with all of scriptures. And to me, I found that was really amazing because you hear about certain things and hear about certain scriptures, but then there's no correlation there, not a real breakdown. So this man 
his research and I'm just like in awe. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we'll definitely be able to post that up so you guys could go ahead and read it because I think it's really informative. And also you can use it as a study too to go back to your Bibles and, you know, just be able to see the breakdown, um, the different tribes and how, you know, slavery comes into the picture and all that good stuff. So first I'm going to ask Fred this question. Where does this idea of white Jesus comes from? It's not really an idea. It's a long established practice of giving Christ white phenotype Caucasian traits. Outside of the Bible, there is a, a rumor that Caucasian people consider themselves the chosen ones because statistically they are the smallest ethnic group on the planet. As you know, there's over a billion brown-skinned people if you combine India plus Africa. If you just take Asian people and combine them all, since they are not white, that increases the number. The only place on the planet you really find Caucasians is in Europe. That is basically their continent. And as you know, the rest of the world is a shade of brown. I believe that's what inspired the Vatican to start perpetuating the idea that Christ is Caucasian, like Italians or Europeans or Caucasians. So I know for me, I remember, what was it? It could have been when I was doing global studies and I need to look it up. There was a particular artist that was commissioned to uh, create a painting of what Jesus supposedly looked like because uh, there was a request, I believe, from the people saying, hey, we need a picture of what Jesus looks like, looked like. And this particular artist was commissioned and the story goes, he got his brother-in-law and used his brother-in-law as yeah, the concept for, yeah, yep. right, that, that's, that's, that's what I heard too. Um, use, use that as the concept to um, paint what Jesus might have looked like. Yes. And the thing about it, see, uh, there's no possible way that he could have been white because if we're going back to the Bible, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Yep. Even to this day, Bethlehem is not flooded with European looking people. It Not in the least bit. Yeah. Even today, inhabitants of Bethlehem are what we consider Middle Eastern, a shade of brown, you know, brown eyes, shaggy hair, maybe curly hair, dry skin, but he doesn't look like someone from Germany. So my next question to you is, do you believe if they had gone and actually read the Bible and actually did, you know, the geography and looked and said, wait a second, this is not accurate. Do you believe that the Vatican would have pushed that? Or I guess to say, you know, help me out here, Ruthie. The Pope is the person in charge here. Supposedly, he's been anointed and chosen by God to lead X, Y, and Z people. So if you are the Pope and you've been chosen by God, surely you would be endeavored into your Bible. You would be reading your scripture, studying it front and back. So you can't tell me someone in there, you did not see the description of Christ and say, hmm, this is interesting. Okay, we got this wrong. Uh, what we've got going on here in all these Catholic churches with Jesus looking like a white man, we need to tear this down. This isn't right. So I think that's very interesting that as a pope or 
uh, Vatican City here is still just allowing people to just go with the flow, putting up these pictures and things like that that has to supposedly do with Jesus, but is really what I would see as misleading the flock and leading them astray. Agreed. Agreed. Because then that that kind of tells you that, you know, they're really not digging and delving into their word and which is what, you know, we're called to do. But also, too, why did we even need a picture of Jesus right. in the first place? Because really, we're just we're supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. What does it matter what he looked like? Well, why is that even relevant? Why is that relevant? Well, first, we, we got to go to the Bible and mm-hmm. label who are the Israelites. Um, in the Bible, the book of Genesis, uh, Jacob had 12 sons. And those 12 sons and their descendants are considered Israelites. They also constitute the 12 tribes of Israel. The sons were Reuben, Simon, Levi, Judah, Dan. We're going to slaughter some more names. Uh, Nap- <laughs> yep. Gad, Asher, uh, Ascar, Zebulon, Joseph, uh, Benjamin. And also these 12 sons came from four women. Now, here's the surprising thing. This should be like mathematics to the Pope at the time. You know, what's two plus two? You can go anywhere in the world and in that native tongue, ask what's two plus two, and you will get a factual answer of four. So this is basic knowledge that the Pope at the time should have known. But Leah, basically Jacob's wife, bore the majority of the 12 sons. She gave birth to Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ascar, Zebulun, and and those were the six. But I think the Pope should have known this, especially reading Genesis 49 uh, verses 1 through 12, because that gives a description of the 12 tribes. Okay, so... Can you give us a breakdown of how that dispersion throughout the world, how that equates to the different colors that we see and shades of browns that we see throughout the world? And also, I want to get back to the curse of ham. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so your your first point was how the, the sons and their descendants dispersed. Mm-hmm. To answer that, you have to go to the curse of ham because the curse of ham sets up what is the foundation for slavery. It is the the topic and the, the thing, the event that basically caused brown-skinned people to suffer for nearly a thousand years. I, I say a thousand because in America, we talk about slavery for, you know, hundreds of years. But if you do the research, brown-skinned people have been suffering much longer than that throughout the world. Mm-hmm. But to answer that question, who is Ham? The second son of Noah and considered to be the father of the Cush, Mizarim, Put, and Canaan people. Now, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna bore anyone. So let's keep this modern. Modern day Canaan is Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Israel. Uh, modern day Cush is South Egypt, North Sudan, South Sudan, uh, Eritrea, and Ethiopia. And Ethiopia is very important because there are black Jews in Ethiopia that are being protected by the Israeli Defense Force. And that's rumored to be where the Ark of the Covenant is. But that's that's another topic. Um, (laughs) Ham is also the patriarch of modern day Egypt and Libya. So if you review all of the 
North African countries, I've said that's almost the, the, the upper half of Africa are descendants of Ham. And here's here's my one point. If Christ is Caucasian, how is it that to this day, the northern half of Africa, the northern half, the Sahara region, you could just Google it real quick. The people who live there today, do they look like Europeans or do they look like Middle Eastern people and black people? I definitely think they're going to look like, of course, black or Middle Eastern. And what I also find to be interesting is even in the Bible, when Jesus is betrayed by Judas, it was said that when they came to arrest Jesus, they didn't even know who he was. That's true. Hmm. They could not tell him apart from his disciples. So Mm -hmm. what does that tell you? If he was white, they'd have been like, there he is. But they would have stuck out of the Exactly. So there's no way like they knew. So that's why they needed Judas to go and point him out by, of course, give him the kiss. A kiss. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if he hadn't kissed Jesus, those people who were coming to the the soldiers who came to arrest him would not even know who he was. That is true. That's just so fascinating to me. And this is so amazing because a little quick side note here when Marie asked me about doing this topic i was like i don't know how to approach this topic because i've never even heard of this like white jesus i've never and she was like what i'm so serious like i have never heard of no white jesus like i'm not even this is so foreign to me i said i just remember that at a very young age i remember coming home and saying to my parents oh look um this is a, a picture of jesus and they said excuse me where and I was showing them like this little pamphlet thing that I had. And they just sat me down right there and said, that is not Jesus. Jesus does not look like that. And don't believe any pictures of anybody who's telling you that, this, that Jesus looks this way because this is not the truth. And I was like, oh, well, what does Jesus look like? And they said, nobody knows what Jesus looked like. Okay. And so it's important that when you see pictures of people sh- saying that it's Jesus, you don't believe that it's Jesus. So from there, growing up, I just knew that any picture that I saw that claimed it was Jesus, it wasn't Jesus because my parents had already sat me down at a young age. So I never had anybody approach me and go, oh, how could you be following a white Jesus or being this kind of Christianity, blah, blah, blah. I've never heard of that. So this was so like over my head when Marie was like, oh, how do we approach this? I'm like, I don't even know, girl. Like I've never heard of this. I have no idea. So that's why I was like, but let me tell you somebody who does. <laughs> and here he is. Because, yeah. I mean, I had to ask him, like, babe, have you heard about this? He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Again, and, you know, I'm under a rock, so I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But but the, th- the thing is, it's very rampant, especially within the Black community, where it's like, you know. And that uh, makes sense. Yes. Yes. And they want to be able to have someone to identify with. But right. I don't believe um, it comes from the core believers. I believe that, you know, comes from those who are looking to identify with Jesus and coming up with like, oh, how are you going to worship this white Jesus who enslaved us? I um, guess that explains why I'd be seeing pictures of Jesus as a reggae, <laughs> reggae guy. Oh, that comes from um, the Rasta. Yes, I've seen a picture of that before. And I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. But I never like put two and two together. I was just like, oh, somebody's doing some cool art. Um, (laughs) uh, King Selassie and and, and 
yes, that that's a whole other topic. Okay. But I've, I've looked into that. Supposedly, the descendants of King Selassie I out in the Middle East, uh, mm-hmm. taking the slaves, brought over here, of course, yeah. in Jamaica, and black people and the other slaves from the Caribbean are his descendants, meaning they are royalty. Because mm-hmm. if your dad or grandfather is a king, naturally you are royalty. Like, it doesn't matter how many generations down, you have royal blood, which is why even in the days of the Bible, they slaughtered every man when they took over a kingdom. So the man will not produce heirs. I mean, yes, he needs a woman, but just by the male being royal, whatever kid he has with an infinite amount of women, all those kids are automatically royal as well and have a shot at the throne. But that, that yes, I've, I've heard about that. And, uh, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, that that also goes back to the scripture that says uh, we are of royal blood, that royal well, priesthood. We are, and we're going to find out how we are of royal blood. Um, if your readers would get their Bible and look at Genesis chapter 9, verses 20 through 27, that is when the curse of Ham was issued to Ham by his father Noah. Uh, verse 20 in uh, Genesis 9 says, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Verse 22, here is where Ham gets cursed. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japhet took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked backward into the tent and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine, and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, quote, Curse be Canaan, the lowest of slaves. Will he be to his brothers? He also said, he meaning Noah, Praise be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. In verse 27, May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tenants of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. There is the curse, and that is what gives many Caucasian conquerors the green card to spread their territory throughout the world, and anyone who is a shade of brown must be their servant. So now the curse of Ham, was it actually Ham that Noah cursed, or was it Ham's son that he cursed? Well, that is the debate. Was it Ham directly in his lineage? When you curse... Even today, if you study the cabal, which is like Jewish black magic and any other black magic, curses not only stay with the the person you curse, it extends to the family. Like the that generational yes, curse. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. See, I'm looking here, right? Uh, Europe, Joe, Joe Fett, I'm, I'm butchering his name. Forgive mm-hmm. me. <laughs> they, his descendants were European, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Shem were uh, the Asians. Yes. Of that continent. And Ham was Africa. Yes. But out of the whole of Africa, Ethiopia, their people were not enslaved. That is true. But they were eventually conquered, I believe, in the year 1400 by a Portuguese. I have to go get you his name. But he eventually conquered. Uh, Eritrea and Ethiopia, of course, he used gunpowder. That was 
the same way the Native Americans lost their land because the Europeans had gunpowder and bullets. But they were eventually conquered. And that is the foundation of the Wakanda Kingdom. If you look on a map for any Marvel Universe, Wakanda is in that eastern block of Africa near Nairobi, I mean, near Kenya and Ethiopia. Is that where they get the vibranium? Yes, yeah. It's like uh, paying homage to uh, the last country, if you will, to be conquered in the continent, among the last. Mm. So, okay, I want to go back to the Black Israelites. You mentioned that they were Black Jews that's currently being protected by Israel yes. um, in yes. Ethiopia. That, um, I didn't include that in this because it's not from any biblical reference but they're rumored that the descendants well the ancestors of modern day Ethiopia married King Solomon one of the women married King Solomon and thus you know the Ethiopians are considered Israelites and they're being protected they could even serve in the Israeli defense force which you know you can't do unless you are a Jew because mm-hmm. in Israel serving in their military is conscripted it's required of everybody 18 to a certain you do like one term in their military. So yeah, like isn't it once you graduate out of yeah, high school 18, like, yep. mm-hmm. and then after you serve your term you're free to do whatever, but that that's how Israel keeps a military force and that's how they make sure their entire inhabitants know how to fight just in case. But let, let's go back a little bit to the curse of Ham when Noah cursed Ham or Canaan. Canaan, yes. When when Noah cursed Canaan Nowhere in that Genesis chapter 9, verse 20 through 27, did he say you are stripped of your title of of Israelite. Now, I may be reading it wrong. Maybe there's a version of the Bible that says, you know, Canaan, Ham, and all all of them, you're stripped of being an Israelite. But from what I read, there is nowhere it says the descendants will be stripped of their Israelite title. And the reason I say this is because not only did they go across the world and spread it, there are Bible verses of Israelites enslaving other Israelites. Are you aware of this? I mean, it makes sense. It really makes sense because of them warring between each other. It's like, all right, you lost. I get to keep you and you will be subservient to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, your, your listeners could take their Bible and go to Exodus chapter two verse 11 through 14. I'm going to read from the NIV. Verse 11 says, one day after Moses had grown up, we all know who Moses is. He went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and at that seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body. The next day, he, Moses, went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Verse 14, the man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. The the moral of this verse is, there is Israelite violence amongst the people and it's not uncommon even in leviticus leviticus has rules for making an israelite a fellow israelite your slave 
So in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 35-39, Leviticus says, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and a stranger, so they can continue to live among you. Um, if you jump to verse 39, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. They are to work for you until the year of Jubilee. And those are two examples of Israelites being enslaved to other Israelites. If you go back to the curse of Ham, nowhere in his punishment did he say your descendants will be stripped of their title. So I have another question for you. Let's bring it back to 2020, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter and all that good stuff, mm -hmm. right? So in going, there, there's this, this argument where, and I've heard it, I don't know if you've heard it, Ruthie, where it's like the Bible was used to justify slavery. In other words, the Bible itself, because you just heard Fred read the scripture, blatantly says it's okay to enslave people and to mistreat them and abuse them and everything else. So what would you tell those people who have this notion that the Bible or even God, because the Bible is the word of God, that God is okay with the enslavement of blacks in particular? Because we know slavery happened all throughout the world and this is what's not being spoken about. And the slave trade began in Africa itself. People don't focus on that. And even before Africa, there was enslavement all throughout. So what do, what would you tell that person who would love to believe that the Bible says it's okay? Because we're hearing that you treat them as a servant in the year of Jubilee, they have the option to be let go or they can continue working for you. Mm, that's a great question. That, that is a great question. And there's a particular verse that the slave masters read to their slaves it's even in the movie 12 years a slave the scene when they all gathered uh outside the barn and heard the slave master reading the bible to them uh, that verse is ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 8 that is the gold mine verse that tells slave masters and slaves how to treat one another right but she's saying what would we tell people who are believing like because it's in the bible they're thinking that god is for slavery that is that's a good question that's a good question well i think she asked you all right so the answer to that question would be another question if god was okay with slavery then why would he had rescued the israelites over and over and over. He didn't rescue them just once or twice or five times. He rescued them over at least 20 times. And I do remember this because I was so agitated by it. <laughs> I was just like, God, oh my goodness, you, how could you? Like, these people just find ways to put themselves into slavery and you rescue them every single time. Just let them rot, God. Let them rot. <laughs> like, have they learned nothing? You know, and now it might now it now it sounds like I'm all for slavery, right? But the thing is, 
the Bible speaks of two different times. Okay. There is the time of God and there is the time of Christ. The time of God is there was no man who could rise to God's standard or expectations. But he spoke of a man that was coming who was going to meet those expectations. So the best way that I could answer this is this. God created each of us, not as robots, but as human beings with free will. God is not responsible for the decisions that humans make. If he was to take that away or to step in with every decision that we decided to, then he's removing the free will. And because becomes the dictator. Correct. He becomes the dictator. Correct. So as to not be this way, God allows you to make these decisions and he watches you make these decisions. Now, of course, he does try to sway you away from these decisions. The Bible does tell us that when you are tempted, God does find a way out for you. But it is, of course, up to you to take the way out. If you don't and you follow through with your decision, it is your responsibility. You have made that decision to go that route. When God created humans, he created everybody good. He created it and said, this is good. So he didn't create humans and to say, oh yeah, they're going to do evil things. That was not his intention, but he created us good in hopes that we would make good decisions. And so when the whole slavery thing happens, this is not God making this decision. This is man making their own decision to enslave each other. Another thing too would be if God was for slavery, why would he have wiped out these people in Noah's day? Because God, for the first time in the Bible, it does talk about God having regret. And it was the days of Noah when man was so evil and it hurt God so much that he said, I regret that I made human beings. That is the only time that I see in the Bible that God has a regret. And it was because of the evil that was so harsh upon the earth. And so he said, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe them out. Okay. If God was for slavery, would he have allowed all of this to happen? Like, would he have just continued on letting it be and not try to start clean? So that's just something else to ponder. Okay. The thing is, God does not have sides. He does not take sides. God is God. And his job is to bring justice. Now, the way God delivers justice, we will not understand because it is not for us to understand. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And this is why in the Bible, it says, vengeance is mine. I'm saying in the Bible because I don't 
like the exact pinpoint, but I promise you, if you Google it and you just put Bible verse, vengeance is mine, it'll pop up. It'll tell you mm-hmm. exactly where to go. So just just some thought for that in case you're like, this lady is just throwing out in the Bible, but she's not saying <laughs> where. Okay. I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> yes, I'm so sorry. All, all of society does that <laughs> in, in America. It's, it's the norm. <laughs> that tells you how well known Christianity is in this country. So, yeah, so that would be the way I would answer that is that God is not sitting by and just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you go on and enslave them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you teach them a thing or two. No, he hates that. He hates evil. He hates seeing man uh, treat each other the way that they do with these evil thoughts or judging or anything like that. That's why it says God is love. He wants us to love each other. He wants us to be kind. That's why he gives us, he models for us what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not boast. It's not, you know, all this wonderful thing. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That I do know. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so that's the way I would answer that. Uh, for those who is saying, well, you know, how can you worship a white Jesus? I'm sorry, I don't know where this white Jesus is, but I do not worship a white Jesus. I don't I have, either. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as far as I'm concerned, he is not white. So, you know, for those who are still stuck in those slavery years, I just encourage you to move forward. Please do. Please. Because God is always doing a new thing. And- absolutely. <laughs> And if you are still stuck in that mindset, you're never going to grow. It's only going to just cause more bitterness and hatred and anger. It's just better to to reconcile, to just forgive and start a, start fresh and move forward. Also, um, it's Deuteronomy 32, 35 for those who are searching. Vengeance is mine. Yes. Thank you so <laughs> very much. So I hope this answers this question of white Jesus. Oh, so now it is time for our should should we do it? Should we do it? Ah! (laughs) In our (laughs) lows. All right. So this week, what has your high been? Because I'm not even quite sure what my high's been so far. I'll let you go ahead. Take the lead. Yeah. So Oh, Fred. No. Okay. We got to do Fred. Fred. Okay. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Cold Shaggy. It wasn't me. So we do this high and our low. Our high is just like what was really exciting for you this week or what just made your heart um, feel all warm. And and yeah, just made you feel good. And then your low would be like, what wasn't so great what was like the bummer part of your week sort of thing yeah what was really crappy uh the high for the week is having the day off from work <laughs> that's the yeah! high. Uh, i'm grateful i have a job but dealing with so many personalities in the day uh because of where i work at walgreens i'm considered essential i am a pharmacy technician a licensed pharmacy technician so i am a legal drug dealer so i got them pills if you need it and I'm also a manager. So be- because of that fact, I'm essential. You know, my wife has expressed her concern for, and, you know, thanking God that I'm safe. And it makes sense. I, I interact with almost 200 people a day, every day I go to work. And you know, it only takes one person to give you the virus. So 
Yeah. My high is having a day off. I don't have to deal with people. Yeah. Uh, my low is that I don't have any more ice cream to eat. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, so come on now, why are you acting like you don't like ice cream? Not having ice cream is a bad thing. If I, had, if I was rich, I would have a refrigerator dedicated to ice cream, just wow. like various kinds all over the world. So, oh my that, god! That's my low. Wow. I love yeah. too because I have been craving ice cream, but that's I was like, you know what? I'm going to exert self control because I'm trying to come Monday, jumping yeah. on <laughs> keto and working out. Lord, pray for me. Pray for me, people. Pray for me, my tabbies. Um, so <laughs> I've been like, oh, I want me some Hagen dogs. I'm like, no, don't do it, girl. Don't do it. So, so I, I'm yeah. right with you. I'm with you. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Y'all are so funny. So what? What's your high? Let's see. My high is just yeah, getting to have hubby home with me because we don't really get to have that time off sometimes, just to be together and enjoy each other's company and watching movies or something together. So it's always fun when he's home. All right. So my high would be. That Fred joined us today. Yay! 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 It was a pleasure. We were, we were just talking about it, and we kind of threw it out there. And the fact that he was willing to come on is so wonderful and amazing. Yeah, and in your readers, when they whenever they get a chance to look through the PDF, our tabbies. The, yes. Okay. <laughs> you should make that put it on a shirt. I did not say anything, but I was thinking about that today. Like, we need merch. Well, then, since I keep giving you these ideas, I'm going to start charging a fee now for, for my my ideas now. Listen, I, I said it first. Okay. okay. Then, I'll take half of the world since <laughs> you said it first. Um, but, yeah, your, your listeners could look at the PDF and go down to the bottom pages, and uh, they'll be surprised at what various popes have been doing in places they've been praying so i'll let that be the the spoiler for your listeners <laughs> thank you so much freddie yeah, for welcome. joining us on our podcast today this was such a treat it really was so you can email us ask us any questions ideas you want to throw out there and our email address is ask adventures begins at gmail.com. That's such a mouthful. I totally Such a mouthful. But it's okay. Because it is, okay. is living life on the edge with Jesus. Yes. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs>